Oi, you lot, you listen to Garage Hammer, episode 179. On the night's episode, the Manlings venture into the land of Shade Spire as they look for that shade glass and they go to try to free my brothers who are stuck by the wiles of Nagash. So shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage, you tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we will do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you inspired reviews, critical information, and all things Shadespire. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I am Count Okay. But I'm not trying to be too easy. It's Halloween. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. it, this wasn't a can you guess it. This was just who I'm doing. I mean, heck, if I used you had to do said, Abraham Lincoln, you know. Yeah, if you had said something like, I am the monster that mortal men would kill, I would have been right with you, too. Ah, I see. That's from the Bram Stoker version. Yes. Yes. Which, I liked Gary Oldman in that, but the rest of that movie is kind of not so good. But they mm-hmm. make a lot of bad vampire movies. I watch them all anyway, because I like vampire movies. That's what I do. I like vampire movies. Mm-hmm. Except sparkly ones. I've watched those too. Um, not all of them. Why are we friends? Uh, you know, my wife is a huge fan, so I'm gonna watch uh-huh. them because they're here. They're around the house. Like huge fan. Like been to conventions, gotten photographs. Oh like, lord! In fact, the first convention before the big people took it over was run by a friend of mine who runs the uh, Flashback Weekend Horror Convention over here. So yeah, uh, he had me help. I was helping him run it. Like so, there's pictures of me with those people and stuff too. So, yep, that exists. That Wait. happened. Hey, I don't care. I have no shame. I'm a thir- I'm a 45 year old man with three children and nothing else to worry about in life. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm just waiting for death at this point. <laughs> Well, on that note, we should probably move to more. Yeah, let's um, thank the sponsors who keep this show alive and going. Let's thank our sponsors. And as long as they're still here. All right. So, um, so as always, you need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake, Illinois. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. I'm done. And sick. I was. I was just waiting. I know. And Six Squared Studios, who happen to make amazing movement trays. Um, that they do all over Twitter the last few days. Um, in fact, they sent me a bunch, and so I just whipped off a quick YouTube video showing you some of the cool stuff they sent me. Um, the the paint trays, the movement trays. Uh, they do a little bit of terrain. Um, so definitely check them out at Six Squared Studios. That's the number six squared studios dot ca. And they, uh, it's uh, local shipping for anywhere in North America. So, um, yeah, you don't have to order and and pay international shipping because Six Squared is right here for you. Unless, of course, you're not in North America. But then, it, why aren't you? Okay, it's just there you go. So uh, that's about that. Oh, and let's not forget, we need to thank our Patreon patrons. Those. Who are proud to be the almost one percent? Yes, right. The numbers are growing. It's the almost one percent. Uh, I'd like to thank our associate producers Shirley Tempel, Phil Elliott, and Matthew Pegram, and our executive producer Bradley Graham. 
Um, yeah, we got to get that call done. We mentioned that last episode, and I've been too busy. We're going to have to get that call done. Don't worry, Bradley. We're going to get it figured out. Bradley's going to be on the show at some point, too. So mm. It's part of the perks of being executive producer. So. <laughs> Uh, we also want to thank John Rogowski, who moved from a prime model patron all the way up to the level of golden demon patron. And we want to thank and welcome our newest patrons, Adam Trunzo and Jiraviel Qualthus. Jiraviel Qualthus. I think that's how you pronounce the name. I hope I didn't mangle it, but you got like a $25 hand or handle there, Jiraviel. So, you know, I don't... Uh, I'm not certain that I got it right, but I hope I did. Thank you all for being one of the almost 1% who makes this show and everything we do with it possible. So thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, let's see. Okay, we got voicemail. Did you know we have voicemail? I actually didn't know we had voicemail. Well, that's, then you're not paying attention because we've got voicemail. And some of the beauty of having voicemail is that people call us and leave us voicemails. And you as a listener, can also call and leave us a voicemail at 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. International callers from most countries can dial 001-757-GH-SHOW-6. So we have two voicemails this week. Are we actually going to play them? Yes, they're short and they're playable. Cody from Wisconsin and Doug from St. Louis. So here we go playing the first one uh, right here. Hey, Dave and Alex. This is Doug Meyer from St. Louis. Um, you know, you throw this on the show. I'm just hoping you guys would listen. Um, I'm just finally catching up with the part two of General's Handbook review, and I was listening to Dave talk about the uh, the feedback, and I could tell it was, you know, he was trying to say it. It, it was annoying him. Um, hopefully, <laughs> I'm just one more voice saying this. I hope you guys realize that the vast majority of us who listen to your show and have been listening for the past seven years really love what you do. I barely even have a chance to play Age of Sigmar, but you're the only Age of Sigmar podcast I listen to because I love your enthusiasm for it. Woo-hoo! It kind of blows me away that some people think it's okay to to be nasty and and get mad at you for, A, quite frankly, something that's as silly as a game we all pay, and you know, unless you're on Patreon... They're getting this entertainment, and quite frankly, a lot of it, for free from you guys. I can only imagine how much time and effort you put into this, but it's a great show. Just uh, hopefully I'm one more voice saying don't let it get you down. Love what you guys do. Keep up the great work. Have a good one, boys. Doug from St. Louis is my new favorite person. Just I'm, I do like Doug from St. I'm, Louis. I, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that thank you, Doug. That is that was all sorts of awesome, and I do appreciate it. So, um, yeah, no, we get lots of people who write uh, nice things to us, but it's always nice uh, to get more people saying nice things to us. So, mm-hmm. um, now this one's a quick one. This one, uh, since that was Doug from St. Louis, this has got to be Cody from Wisconsin. This one's, like I think, only like 20 seconds. So hold on a second. I will play this right now. Hey, Dave, this is Cody from Wisconsin out here. Hey, just calling because I listen to your podcast all the time. It's pretty awesome. Love what you're doing out there. If you get a chance, maybe you guys should uh, maybe do some uh, moon clan grots. That's what I'm about, man. But keep up the good work. Love your show. Keep on keeping on. Bye. That was quick to the point. So we needed to say and got done. Moon clan grots. That's my jam, bro. That's the that's I know. 
So when I heard that, I was like, oh, Alex could talk about them a lot. He knows. Yeah, I just played them over the weekend again, and we're going to talk about that a little later. But, yeah, it's, it's good times, brother. It's good nice. Times. Very nice. Very nice. I did not play Moon Clan Grotz over the weekend. I did not play any uh, 6x4 Warhammer over the weekend, although I did play some games. But that's for later in the episode. Right now, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to come back with the Garage Hammer News Network and the Toolbox brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Yes! 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 Good. See? Yes! Now we can actually go on. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you for that. That made my day. After all the crap with the tire blowing out and spending all that money on a new set of tires. I mean, it was time. But... That just made my... We'll be back, folks. Thank you, Alex. That made my day. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with the Garage Hammer News Network. Extra, extra, read all about it. Shade Spire's here and it's awesome. It is. How'd you like my extra, extra? Just like a real newsie. <laughs> oh, boy. Dude, I'm really tired. It's been a long I day. I can tell. I do, you know, hey, a Bears won yesterday, so outside of not, not caring about football, um, I did get a free uh, coffee from Duncan because you get a car, one of their Duncan cards, and the, the, your home team wins, you get free coffee. So I got me a nice pumpkin spice here, so I'm just caffeinated to the gills, half irritated. Why are you so basic? I, I like pumpkin everything. I just have. I don't care. You're disgusting. I know. I'm like, I'm like a 15-year-old girl. What do I care? Pumpkin's gross. I'm sorry. No, pumpkin's awesome. I had pumpkin pie just the other day. And I have pumpkin spice in the coffee. And guess what? Oh, my God. Guess what I found at the store? Pumpkin spice Twinkies. I bought them because my wife loves it, too. I didn't have one yet because like, I'm really waiting for a day that I've actually got calories left because I've been counting every calorie. But Good Lord. I'm telling you, when I got them, I'm going to do it. But that's the thing right there. Pumpkin spice marshmallows, yep, breakfast cereal. Yup, tasty. Pumpkin spice Cheerios. You can make Cheerios with them, and they're pumpkin spicy. You can even make, like, marshmallow crispies. 
you know, but with the pumpkin spice Cheerios, they're tasty. I have pumpkin spice everything, everything, everything. I know it's like pineapple pizza. It, you either it's okay or it's not in your book. Listen, hey, eat and drink what you want. Be happy. I'm happy. I got my pumpkin spice coffee and I'm happy. That's okay. All right. <laughs> so, do you want to talk about the news? Sure. Is it just Shadespire? No, pretty Is much. I mean, just to, I mean, dude, that's all anybody's talking about. Yeah, right now it's uh, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of awesome. We are going to talk about. I mean, that's the topic of today's show. And um, wow, I it, it, uh, haven't heard anything negative about it, which is uh, kind of the, my favorite thing so far. Is that as much as people have been seeing it, there's been nobody who's been like, "This game's terrible." I played it and it's awful. Oh no, I got it. I got that covered. Oh, you you got it. Co- you don't like it? Oh no no no. I got the negative. Oh, really? Who? Because I'm getting it from my local. But we'll talk about that later. You're kidding. Dude, what is... Okay. Seriously? I'm going to get banged on from Pumpkin Spice when your your gaming group is... Oh, my goodness. We're going to no, talk no, about no, this. No, 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 no. Okay. Let's roll on to the next thing. We'll talk about that when we get into the Shadespire thing then, right? Absolutely. Okay. Um, the only other thing, uh, the Astra Militarum FAQ came up yep. like, like a week or so after the book came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the people who are complaining. About oh, that. because it killed a lot of their nifty, nasty tricks. No, Constrips, not even because bam. it killed a lot of their nifty, nasty tricks, but because, you know, it. Uh, you guys, uh, you need an FAQ for your book like a week after it comes out. Like, why don't you just make sure it's good before it comes out? Okay, because it was printed up forever ago, and then they realized, hey, I mean, doesn't this happen like with every codex almost? Or almost well, every battle tome, like, oh, hey, look, we found this broken thing. I mean, they came in and stepped in and fixed it in like two weeks when they realized, oh, my God, this is broken. And that's not on the play testers, and that's not on anyone. It's like, oh, look, you know, this is bent, and we're, and we're fixing it, and people are still complaining. I just bought this book, and now it's invalid because there's been FAQs. There's always been FAQs. There's always been FAQs. I have a little yeah. folder. It comes with me to tournaments. You know what it's got in it? FAQs. Well, people don't like it when they FAQ things this quickly because it seems like, why didn't you catch it before? Which is understandable criticism. But the truth is, there's a lot. that, And having been on the other side of this now, there is a lot that goes into it that sometimes you just may not catch. As many people as are involved in the process... There's still some things that slip through. Well, and aren't the so, books like still printed like six months out a lot of the times though? Still, I don't know that. I mean, that's what I, I was under. Don't. That's what I was under the impression of. I'm not saying I'm not saying giveaway secrets. I'm saying I'm under the impression that a lot of these books have to get to the publisher and all this stuff, and that you know, it's not. I mean, it's not like they just printed them all up three weeks ago. Yeah, it does take a lot to put all these books together because if you think about it, it's not just rules. It's art. It's background. It's how it gets put together. And it's, it's who's all got to get cleared. It, distribution. And get exactly. It's so there's know. a there's a lot to the process, but the FAQ time has been outstanding. And that's compared my point. to what we were dealing with prior. Where it would be months before something got an FAQ, if ever. If ever. I mean, there was stuff that came out that was obviously, I mean, we had questions. I remember when the last, not this last Seraphon book, but the last Lizardmen book came out. 
Yep. And people had questions, and they were huge questions, and it was like big, obvious, glaring questions that people had. And it's like, wait, can you just clarify this rule? And they never got an FAQ out for it. Like mm-hmm. it was like a year. Yeah. It's like, and that's why I'm bringing it up. I just saw that online. People complaining. It comes out so fast. It's like, oh, for for the love of God, the, you know, can't win for losing. <laughs> they, Games Workshop can do no right. Uh, so that's that. The Astro Military FAQ is up. The Codex Craft Worlds is on. Uh, is up to up for order. Uh, comes out next next weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this book. Uh, I wasn't going to pick it up because I'm I'm uh, I'm getting into a don't buy it unless you're going to use it policy. But that's what Chris U plays, and so I need to know the lists. I need yeah, to know, what they know do. the enemy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Plus, the book just looks really cool from everything that's on the everything that's they've been putting up on uh, the Warhammer community. Yeah, there's a lot of nifty tricks, and it definitely seems like it's a lot more. I would dare say with it compared to the last time because I used to play Eldar. Um, oh, really? Not the Craft World book, but the book before that. I used to play Eldar, and people stopped wanting to play me because I was playing Eldar, and I never really understood it. But I wasn't even playing the nasty stuff. But it's still like, oh, Eldar, f you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's like I just wanted to paint space elves. I mean. I know that's it sounds terrible to say, but I just did. Hey, I think they're I think they're pretty cool. You know, I think they look cool. If I didn't already have all these ultramarines, and then well, now I've got plague marines because I got the set. You know, I, I've still got the plague mm-hmm. marine halves. You know, th- th- I that was tempting. That was almost as tempting as orcs. Because mm. it's a t- it's yeah, a completely different that. aesthetic. I mean, I mean that. You know, if I was uh, if I was a younger man and didn't have any children and could use all that extra space and money by not having children, I would probably own every damn army and have a nice little shelf and space for it and all that stuff. But nope, I have children, so I can't just indulge my every whim on armies. But I tell you what, <laughs> those Eldar are tempting. They are. They are very tempting. Uh, I I would love to just go out and buy up a bunch of that and sit around all night and, and build it and paint that up. It won't happen because I've still got to finish what I've got on my table. But um, mm-hmm. no, those are those are pretty darn tempting. They're pretty cool looking. I'm excited. Did you see the thing of a one week only? They got the old models up again, like the four character models. No, I did not. Yeah, check out the website, right? Like, if you go there right now and just go to, like, the main page. If you go to GW's main page um, and just, like, click the home button, you know, just, like, the regular. It says Codex Craft Worlds, pre-order now. And um, then they've got the, you know, like, the little screen flips. The next one says get them before they're gone. And it's, uh, what is it? It's a bone singer, an autark, a warlock, and a farseer. Well, the made-to-order collection. There's eleven things in there, actually. Oh, autark with power weapon, farseer with singing spear, regular farseer, farseer with staff, bone singer, warlock with singing spear, dire avenger exarch with dire sword, howling banshee exarch with executioner, warlock with witchblade. Uh, ranger kneeling slash observing. 
So it's a lot of models. Yeah, it's like eleven models or something, or ten models. Three, yeah, ten different models, and you can just hit the boom, the whole thing. It's like uh, it's like uh, one forty three, one forty three fifty for all every variation of these old Farseer models, and it's that one week only stuff. Like it's made to made to order. That is a really old Howling Banshee. Yes, it is. Same with the Dire Avenger. Those guys are old models. I know, but they're kind of cool. Oh, I don't know. I've painted some of those Howling Banshees in that style, and oh man, they are not. I like that Bone Singer. Yeah, the Bone Singer is one of the best models they put out, and I'm really kind of surprised they're letting it go. Then they got the Farseer with staff, and then they have this other weird Farseer that has the weirdest helmet. Yeah, that's an old one. Yeah, see, I mean, this kind of yeah, I, I I'm into the nostalgic stuff. So, all right, uh, you know what? Let's just move on, though, shall we? Because now we're getting silly. Um, I don't think there's any other real news, is there? Like, I have no idea what's coming out next for Age of Sigmar. Like, I'm waiting with bated breath. I just I I, I had a feeling in my heart that there would be a November release, and I haven't heard even the slightest whispers about a book. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got the other two crews coming for Shadespire. Um, you that are coming out. Too, I mean, I already got them because GW was nice enough to send them to us. So. <laughs> Point is, we've got those two coming out. Um, so I'll be the Iron Skulls boys and the Sepulchral Guard, or Sepulchral, whatever. Sepulchral. It's a word I. It's a word I can't say. Sepulchral so the skeletons um, are going to be coming out. So we've got those two on the horizon. But they did also release War Scrolls for the crews from Shadespire for oh, Age of Sigmar. Right. That's right. So you could play the three the three liberators. Um, as a unit on their own. As a unit of three. Um, you can only have one of them because they've still got names. They mm-hmm. each have their own little special rule because they're each a little bit different. And um, that's 100 points. Yeah. Uh, it's you, a- go ahead. It's actually not a bad little unit. The only issue that I have is it's three models instead of five. Yeah. But it's a very tanky unit with the typical stuff that you see with Stormcast, Staunch Defender. They get a two-up save when they get charged, rerolling ones if Bright Shield's alive. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a tough little nut to crack. Yeah, no, it's really good. And um, it's only 60 points for the five... Uh... Five blood reaver or blood uh, corn bloodbound guys. Yeah, that's a steal. That's a sixty point gap fill that a lot of people just kind of get stuck with sixty points. Suddenly they now have a unit for sixty points. So no, it's a good. Op- they did a really nice job with these war scrolls. I think. No, I yeah, I was pleased with the war scrolls. I'm dude. I'm just really. I had I had high hopes for this. And this has exceeded all of them. Everything that they've done with this so far has been tip top. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Like I said, um, I think that's it. Should we get to the toolbox? Yeah, I think we can. Brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc all right, Superstore. that's a little that's a little off. I'm a little anyway. excited. Like I said, I'm caffeinated. So, welcome to the toolbox, people. It's time for the toolbox. Modeling what you've been doing, Alex. Uh, Shadespire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm trying to get these guys painted up uh, for this weekend. I'm doing some demos 
at the friendly local game store for everybody to see. So nice. I've got uh, the Stormcast. They're about two-thirds done. The Bloodbound are still uh, base coats. But these models are amazing. Like, I'm, I, you get to a point where you just hate painting Stormcast. But these three have really helped bring that back. Um, so really enjoying that. And then the Bloodbound, I don't particularly care for the stock Blood Reavers, but these guys are great. Yeah, oh. it's, it's just everything about every one of these models is characterful. Um, they're posed nicely. They're just they're just good. Yeah, absolutely stellar job. They're all exceptional. Um, and then I'm also working on blocking colors for Salamanders for Wapaka for the 40K narrative. Nice. I've got some Sterngard and my Captain Alternative for Vulcan on the painting table right now. Um, and then of all things, I got third place in a painting competition at Dragonfall over the weekend in the Batman category. Nice. What'd you paint? I, uh, it was a suicide squad, Captain Boomerang. Oh yeah. I mean, it was nothing substantial, but it was, I felt like putting something in and I was looking in my closet and like, who do I put in? And Boomerang said, Oi, so in he went. So, Lindsay I mean, I wants to know. Lindsay wants to know if he actually said "oi," or if you just are being uh, metaphorical. He doesn't talk. No, nah, sorry, Lindsay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I didn't get any hardware or anything, but it was still something nice. Saying, "Hey, I actually paint halfway decent." Um, no, that's so. sweet, man. Yeah. What about you? Uh, okay, uh, a couple of things. Um. I have built all four crews for Shadespire, uh, and the orcs are cool, and those sepulchral stalkers, <laughs> I'm just calling them that because I can say it, um, the, they're they're really nice models, too. Uh, if I had one critique, the one waving the mace over his head looks a little weird. Uh, maybe just because it's that weird mace-looking thing, and I, you don't see too many of those, you know, just like the stick with the ball with the spikes in the end of it. Yeah, the mace is a little and off. The only people who have a lot of maces in their in their units of skeletons are the Mantic models. And I am not mm. comparing the two by any stretch of the imagination, but when I see a skeleton with a mace, I think of those. And I look at that and said, Oh, you you did that with it. Like, you know, I'm like, why why would you want to do that? Um mm-hmm. but the actual model himself is good. Like he's one of the stronger ones, because that mace hit you like a brick. Mm. So you're just gonna have to paint him up really good. To make up for that, or else find a different mace or something to put in his hand. But I'm not too keen on necessarily converting these because they match the pictures on the cards. Right. Uh, I know some people are all about the conversions, um, but I like them matching up on the cards. So uh, I built those. Uh, I haven't painted those. Um, I did because I just was keeping them the same because I've been painting my Ultramarines. All right, so I don't know if it's me. Or what? But so I've been watching the Duncan videos, and I've been taking the Duncan videos and converting what I've learned on those to all my painting. So I based these all up with McCrag Blue, right? Spray-based them all at McCrag Blue. Hit them with that nice heavy wash so the wash goes into all the cracks, you know, so that all mm-hmm. those little bits and bobs around the edges, the sharp edges on them are now nice and, and black. Uh, and then you got to go back in and put McCrag Blue over where the wash is, you know, and I suppose I could sit there with a really thin brush and brush into all the cracks. I don't know if that would be any faster. 
than just brushing the whole thing and then going back and painting the blue. But it takes a long time to get that blue nice. Plus, I kind of like coming up not quite to the edge, so there's a little dark around the edge as well. So if I do go and highlight that on that, so you've got a, a bigger contrast there. But boy, oh boy, just each one of these ultramarines and going around on all their armor and redoing all the blue. It's a slow problem. Once I get that done, then at the very least, then I can get the weapons done and do the heads and glue them on. And then, you know, I'll go down and highlight the armor, like do the edge highlighting as like a last step. Because if I can get the guns all done and the other stuff done, then at least it's, ta- it's table ready, you know, and I could bring it to pack if I want. Because I'm not worried about like, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be in the running for best paint at any of these things, so I'm not worried about every last step being done. I'm worried about getting them table ready, you know, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's all, you know, I'm just painting the ultras, and boy, is it slow. Um, yeah. Now, I did, I have a couple of purchases, and that counts as hobbying, so um, <laughs> I did order um, from the guys over at the TC War Room. Uh, I got my the second Shadespire set so that way I can get the cards, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, they had those and an X board. So that way I just have a nice traveling uh, display board. Hmm. Plus, the X board is designed to slide right into the slots on the the Battle Foam, the XL, because it's a Battle Foam board. Yeah, yeah. So I can just pack it all in there when I go, you know, mm-hmm. and I now have a traveling board. So I was all excited about that. Um, I got... Okay, this is one of those purchases where I, I it's like I shouldn't have bought this, but I did. <laughs> and, um Well, no, because I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a doofus. Um, so um, hold on, where is my? Oh goodness, I had it right here. What did I do with it? I must have put it down. Um, so I bought. Um. <laughs> I bought from uh, Dan from AOS Shorts, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a lot of old models. And, uh, oh, no. I, 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 I had two dozen. I am now up to five dozen of long-drawn Slayer Pirates. Oh, dear God. I love the Slayer Pirates. I love those models. And you had those shipped all the way from New Zealand? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, actually, they ship pretty cheap. We didn't go with the super certified, you know, thing. And they actually just came in the mail today. Um, a bunch of, dude, the Slayer Pirates. I'm actually, I'm, I'm looking at them going, ooh, you know what? Those could, those could almost be crazy. Uh, those could almost be crazy uh, overlords, un- underdressed overlords. Um, but under just over words. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I just, okay. There's only a couple of things I collect like as like, I don't care if I never get to play with them. I just buy them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have Malachi McKyson's goblin hewer, you know, which was not a real thing for the most part outside of the yeah. storm of chaos, you know, but I have mm-hmm. his goblin hewer. I got a few dozen Slayer Pirates, and I have the um, the Slayers with the axes on the chains. I forget what oh, what are they called? Um, Doom Seekers. I have Doom Seekers. I've got maybe ten or twelve of them. And when I see them, if they're not ridiculously overpriced because they're hard to find, I buy them. 
just always. I love the Doom Seekers. The Doom Seekers are my favorite models from Games Workshop. They're just so characterful. Um, I just adore them. Uh, so yeah, so I I picked up. I saw, he had them, and uh, he 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 gave he gave me a, a, a more than fair price for for them out of print. He probably could have got more if he sold them on eBay, but he was really nice to me. And thank you, uh, thank you, Dan. But uh, yeah, I got more Slayer Pirates. <laughs> so that's it for my modeling. I've been going on too long about my stuff. So uh, shall we go into gaming? Sure. Um. You you can start. Okay, sure. Um, so last couple weekends have been really busy. The Indeed. weekend of the fourteenth got to go up to Orktoberfest in beautiful La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, so thank you to Chad Hansen for running yet another great event. We had, I believe, ten people. So small little gathering, a uh, one day three game two K tournament. I ended up taking first. By a point, so it was really close this year. Uh, wow! But yeah, the winner again, a, though. Always a winner. Yeah, you not always. Way uh, more than me, but yeah, I suppose. <laughs> In any event, so ended up taking a mini Vanguard wing instead of the Hammer Strike. I've been trying to do different builds with my Stormcast, and I actually really enjoyed it a lot more. Being able to maneuver around a lot and sending liberators everywhere. So that was cool. But game three, I got to play against uh, Christian Ware. And I know you know Christian. Oh, yeah. We ended up playing each other game three, and he had. Arg- like, people want to say that elves are dead and gone, but no. You just haven't played Phoenix Temple. Because Christian's list is terrifying. It's so hard to beat. It is so hard to get wounds through. I don't think I did more than 20 models off of his side of the table during the course of our game. Wow. Yeah. Because the Phoenixes are so tough. The Phoenix guard themselves are just so tanky. But I, we were playing knife to the heart and this is probably the most epic game of AOS I've had in a very long time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this was a legit nail-biter all the way through. Nice. And I had two or three chances to score the major objective by having more models back by his objective and then a unit by mine. But just one cheeky four-up save stops all of that. And it's like, come on. It happened twice, and then the Phoenixes flew backwards and said, oh, no, we can't let this happen. Oh, boy. But, yeah, no, it was... Absolutely fantastic game, and if you guys want to razz on elves, man, go up against that Phoenix Temple, and you try. Because it's hard. It is good. And then over the weekend, I got to run a AOS tournament again at Dragonfall. So this was the first year for AOS, so just with all the other things going on, we did a four-round 1K tournament. We had uh, 15 people show up, so that means I got to play as well as run the tournament. <laughs> the fun. old ring and run. Oh my god. It was it was a lot of fun, <laughs> but I got I took out the Moon Clan because I didn't want to take the Stormcast as the ringer because that's not okay. But I got to use my Squig Gaba, which is from Forge Roll, that's the massive cave squig that gets fed like ookie covered 
squigs to the point that he has to puke them out. Right. And in every edition up until the new update, it was not worth it at all. It was just a pretty model of a squig puking other squigs. I got to use it over the weekend and, oh, I need another one. They're amazing. That good? <laughs> yeah, just taking off models uh, left and right, and they don't need line of sight to shoot anymore. So I'm launching squigs every which way, and the thing actually killed a gargant in combat. Was nice. Kind of, kind of amazing. I'm really impressed with how that thing did, so I'm definitely going to have to get another one. Um, and real quick, just wanted to give a shout-out to the winners. Uh, Zach, I butchered his name, Zach C. Uh, he's playing Star, uh, Stormcast Eternals using a Star Drake at 1,000 points, so that's that's rough stuff. Uh, Brandon Melnick came in second with a all-Vanguard list. So it was Lord Aquilor bunch of Vanguard hunters. It was actually a really well-run list. And then Christian Ware with Phoenix Temple came in third. So, awesome stuff. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. See, what did I do? Uh, I played a bunch of Shadespire. Um, I was giving some demos this past weekend. Um, I it's That game's just fun. And mm-hmm. everybody who's been playing it has been really, has been enjoying it. Um, the new cards for the orcs and the uh, and the undead. There's some cool stuff in there. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty neat batch of stuff. Like I'm looking at these things. Like I'm trying to figure out how the combos are going to work on that stuff because there's some really fantastic, um cards in there neat things that are coming up i'm trying to figure out exactly how they're all going to work and mix up um but i'm i'm just excited to see what else what comes next because there's there's great stuff in this in this game um so many opportunities for so many different play styles and so many different types of combos i'm just i'm i'm having a blast total blast uh, I think that kind of came across when I was trying to explain everything on the YouTube video, and there's just mm-hmm. way too much. Like I'm going to have to at some point just go in and, um, I'm going to have to go and like do a, a couple more videos, like to focus on certain things because it was so good and so much fun. So, uh, I also played a bunch of Luchador with Chris Barnett, um, and then we also um, Luke Luke bought um. That uh, Star Trek uh, Dominion or Ascendancy, okay. Ascendancy, that's what it's called. Um, that is a really cool game. Now I know we're a little, it's a little off. It's not Warhammer, um, but I went to a Warhammer. We went to a Warhammer Friday Night Warhammer at UGG, and um, they they came by. Uh, Chris Barnett showed up, and they were there, and they were playing that in one of the tables off in the corner. And uh, so when my game was done. And um, there was there was another game to be had. I went over to watching them play that game. That's a cool game. That is a hmm. really, really well put together game. Like I, I was like, oof, I would love to play this. But it's one of those coffin box games. Plus the expansions. I'm like, ooh, I'm not dropping that much money on that. I could buy a, I could buy some some more models for that because it, it was expensive. But since Luke had it, I'm, I know I'll get to play again. Really good game. So hmm. just throwing that out there. Um, 
And that's it for me. Just a bunch of shades fire plan because um, I'm still painting everything else before I get to get to test, uh, you know, t- test run those armies uh, before Wapaka. So, um, mm-hmm. should we move on to other? Yeah, do you, sure. Do you have any other? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, we stopped watching the Deuce on HBO. We just weren't really feeling it. Okay, just not for us. But we've switched to Sling TV for the last month. Uh huh. So it's like a la carte television, and it's actually working out really well for me and Carrie. But then again, we don't watch a lot of television. Okay. So for us, we actually end up saving like fifty, sixty bucks a month by going through Sling for what we want because all we really watch is basic channels and HBO. Oh. So it works. We haven't had any real issues with it, and I still get my hockey. So ah. Excellent. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> yep. There you go. That's hey. About it. Not a whole lot. Um, I've been catching up on some old shows. Catching up on Gotham. Um, I finally watched the season finale from last season because I've been busy. Didn't realize I didn't get to watch it, but it's sitting on the DVR. So now I'm actually into this season. I'm only like a couple episodes behind. Um, ooh, I think Solomon Grundy's going to show up this season. I really do. Can I just say? Yep. I love Batman. Mm-hmm. I did not like Gotham. First season was a little. It was it okay? It's a weird. It's a weird show to get into because it's like you're expecting Batman. It's Gotham, and it's not Batman. Although now that they're in season four, it's getting closer and closer to being sort of like Batman. Um, it's it's sort of like a retelling of the whole story. It's very different from Batman, but it's got a lot of the same things as Batman. Um, that's a show that you had to give a chance to to let it grow. But once you, if you, if you, if you, if you rolled with it, it's gotten it's really good. It's a lot of I really like it. Maybe I'll go back for it. It's just I don't know. I had a really hard time getting into getting into Gotham without Batman. It wasn't even Batman because I do like the villains of the Batman universe, but it's just. I don't know. I had a hard time digesting. Well, and they're it. and they're different. They're a little different because they're 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 sort of reinventing all of it into a slightly different timeline and time frame and what happens. Um, but if you just if you sort of let it happen, there's some, there's really cool stuff happening in it. There's really cool stuff. I like it. Um, hmm. That's just me, you know. Um, I have been listening. I I I got the Thrawn trilogy from Star Wars. The heir to the empire. It was originally the heir to the empire trilogy. And now they're calling it the Thrawn trilogy because that's the character that came out of it that everyone was like, he's the greatest. Um, and he is kind of the greatest. And so I went back and I started listening to it because uh, I, I got promoted on my uh, Audible. You know, they put out a 25th anniversary fancy edition of the first book. And um, Heather never listened to it. Heather really loved Star Wars. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll get the whole se- series. And so when we're, on, when we're on these long drives, you can start listening to it. And... Um, that's like kindled like a crazy, stupid amount of interest in it. I mean, not just that I got tickets to go see the, you know, the the Last Jedi, but so I'm listening to the books again, and then it's like, oh, and then I got some of these other books, uh, you know, some of these origin stories, and so then like while I've been at work, like on my lunch break and stuff, I'm just bringing up YouTube and playing some of these like weird theories and and explanations of the star wars lore like the stuff that they all remember when 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 disney bought it they said okay nothing except the movies and the cartoons is canon but then they Mm -hmm. started basically 
taking all the coolest stuff from that and putting it back into their their shows. So they've basically been re- taking the stuff that they said is no longer canon and and making it canon again by by taking those characters and those stories and just putting them back into it. Um, there is so much fantastic, cool story stuff going on. Like I've just been, I've been on this weird Star Wars lore binge. Um, just stuff from like you know histories of where certain characters come from. I listened to a whole video today about why, how come Darth Vader never. Uh, upgraded his 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 life, uh, you know the his suit. Um, and they talked about how there was obviously could have been upgraded over the years that he had it with all the advances, and why he didn't, and how I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like I'm just, I've always been a Star Wars nut, and so listening to all this stuff has been really fun. Like I'm like, I'm just overdosing on Star Wars stuff right now. Hmm. So, but that's me, and that's that. Um, you know what? That's been a lot of stuff. Why don't we take our next break? And when we come back, we'll jump into the uh, Shadespire lore. Absolutely. Sound good to you? Yeah. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back. We're back in the realm of Shadespire, which is almost like a weird realm unto itself with the weird place it's at. But let's get to that right now, huh? Yeah. All right. So the lore on this is uh, amazingly short. It is, but it's there's a lot to cover. Yeah. Okay. So um. This intro is actually really good here, this first paragraph, okay? I'm just going to mm-hmm. go through this first paragraph, and then we can start talking about all the all the things that happen in this little bit. Shadespire was once a city of wonder and magic, a mercantile metropolis rising from the unforgiving earth of the realm of death. Countless races dwelt within its walls, together creating artifacts of astonishing beauty and power. The city's most treasured secret was the process of refining shade glass, a miraculous substance that could store the spiritual essence of the dead for eternity. 
In this way, the ruling cataphranes of Shadespire lived on after death, their wisdom stored within the depths of ornate mirrors, flowing glass fountains, crystal looking stones, and other marvels. This defiance enraged Nagash, lord of undeath, who sought to punish the occupants of the city for denying him his rightful tithe of souls. There's a, that's, okay, that's a heck of a setup, right? It is. Okay, so there's this shade glass. They can put themselves into it. Uh, their yeah, souls, when they die. Yeah, when they die, their souls go into the into the glass instead, and it retains not just their souls, but their memories, their personalities, their essences, and so they are able to live on in this city. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like the portrait of Dorian Gray, minus the body. Yeah, were. but the portrait of Dorian Gray just took just looked like he looked. This almost reminds me more of the portraits in Harry Potter. That can move and talk and 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 flitter in and out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or even but, a bit like the soul stones in in Malifaux, except that they're not just holding the energy; they've got the the personality and the ability to speak and stuff. It's a really fascinating concept. Mm-hmm. You know, these people in what almost like a mirror. You know. But they're yes. there and they can talk to you. And you think, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, and I can see how, how that would upset Nagash, uh, you know, because he wants his souls. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently he was really angry because he could have just rushed in and destroyed the city. Absolutely. Um, but basically destroying the city and, and pulling all of the souls of all its inhabitants down into hell with him, um, that was too good for them. So he pulled some okay I can't even describe this properly I'm just going to read it cuz it's like one sentence and no matter how many t- ways I try to describe it it takes me 10 times as many words as it takes them so I might as well just get read theirs The great necromancer wove a ritual that drew upon the mysterious powers of the city's shade glass constructions siphoning away the light and glory of Shadespire and creating a twisted reflection of its former splendor Shadespire was trapped halfway between Ulgu, Realm of Shadows, and Hish, Realm of Light. Bound within this dark reflection, refracted between these two diametrically opposed realms, the souls of the fallen could never escape the mirrored city and make the journey to the underworlds. None within its walls would be granted the release of death. So Nagash is, is, is refusing. So at first I'm thinking, okay, all the people in the, in the shade glass are stuck in there. But it's way worse than that. Like, I went back and read it a second time. So first, he sucks all the beauty and the color and the light out of the place, right? Mm-hmm. Then he sticks it in a weird limbo between two realms. Not quite the Phantom Zone, which when I keep picturing the faces stuck inside the glass, I keep picturing the 70s Superman too. Um, they're stuck between these two realms. They can't get out. They can't uh, really free themselves. And it's not just the people inside the shade glass. There were people living in this town. They can't mm-hmm. die either. I don't know if it's that they can't die or their souls don't find rest. Well, but that's it. If you read later into this, they're, they talk about they're walking around in their bo- as, as their bodies are rotting. So I don't know if you want to call it the living dead, the undead, but unlike zombies and skeletons who are just reanimated corpses, 
their in, their minds, their personalities, all bits of all that stuff seem are to be retained. Hmm. Except they're walking around and they're rotting. That's Yummy. messed up. Yeah. Nagash refuses yeah. to let their souls pass on. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that gets me is I'm trying to process where this city is. Because it's in the midter, and the it's in the desert of bones, right. which is obviously going to be the realm of death. But then the city itself is trapped in between the realm of shadows and the realm of light. So, does it exist in all three places simultaneously, or is that one zone area of Shadespire still technically in the realm of death, but then stuck between life and shadow, or light and shadow? It's just, it seems like it's a weird spot for, like, a reflection is two ways, but. Well, I think that the physical which? city itself is there, but they're sort of trapped because, remember, uh, and as we get to this later, people go in there and walk around and get into fights and have these things, and then they leave again. But the three Stormcast, at least, that we're playing, they, when they were camped at Shadespire in the physical city, they disappeared. Remember, if you read the lore, like they mm-hmm. were saying how they disappeared. The ones who disappeared are the ones who I think are stuck in like the spirit portion of the realm between the two realms because the people in the physical place came out and said, um, we lost them. They were there and then they weren't there. So it's like not everybody gets mm-hmm. sucked into the I can't escape Shade Spire, but those who do are stuck in there until they figure a way back out to that like physical realm. So he's like, because remember, he he used the ritual using the shade glass and their spirit energies. So I think like they're like half in this realm and half in no realm, just between light and shadow in some in-between spot. Mm. Not quite the upside down, but some in-between. You know, because yeah. it says the original city is drained of color and life and for thousands of years it had rested as a foreboding ruin. So... Um, people who go in there are uh, in, into its walls are drawn through the veil between realms and trapped within the mirrored city. So some people get caught. Yeah. So it's like you're in there and then you kind of get stuck and caught into this place. So it probably is in two places at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you get this cool bit of of lore about the city. The Cataphranes, uh, they made the Shade Spire. And... They made these soul mirrors that they put all around the city, and so they, their spirits can kind of move around the city. And what's really cool is that so these guys live, and then they start. They can give all the they can you know pass on everything they learned. People can come to them for knowledge of things that they learned, but it's basically like you never have to stop learning. They can keep, you know, talking with them, learning from them, experimenting. So this city in the middle of this the desert just starts to boom like with uh all these like technical marvels all these wonders um because none of their knowledge is lost it just goes over into shade spire or into the into the shade glass and they can keep helping you with it and pass it on. So unlike in 40K where, you know, eventually, you know, we've lost that technology, the people who make whatever it is that they're making in Shadespire never go away. Mm-hmm. 
So they keep going. In fact, I love this. It says they invented something called the Faneway mirror. So it links every fragment of of, of uh, shade glass in the city. So that way all the different spirits can, it's, it's sort of like a, almost like a realm gate, you know, like in all points within the shade, the within shades fire for the, just for the shade glass for those people. Um, they put all the spirits of their most elite warriors all around the outside walls to keep constant watch. Mm-hmm. Like they did a lot of crazy stuff with this, with this shade glass and with the spirits in it. Uh, what else did they do? Oh, they made things that can, uh, like, like jewelry and stuff that would magically link you to the Fane way. So that, yeah, if there's someone beyond the veil. Yeah. So if you have enough money and can afford this, you can talk to your, you can stay and continue to, to be in touch with your family members after they die because you can keep, keep attached with them um the ones i really like are the shade glass golems yes these are they kind of reminded me of like almost like a dreadnought in a way Uh uh-huh i hate to use the 40k comparison but it's essentially a gigantic golem made of shade glass where it's maintained by the sole essence of servants essentially to continue to work after death yeah so it's fair i mean it's very cool the different things they can do so um nagash comes in and and just trashes this place right rips it into into this shadow realm he's using the power of the shade glass to to fi- to power his ritual so it's destroying and messing up the shade glass as he's doing it um the faneway is shattered into a thousand pieces so Basically, whatever piece of shade glass you were in when it shattered, you're stuck in that little piece of shade glass. Mm-hmm. There is no moving between glasses because he destroyed that, broke the, broke the, uh, the, the fane way. Yeah, broke the magic so around it. There's no nexus for them to get out, so they're stuck where they are. And the cataphranes that are still living when Nagash does this. Try to figure out how to undo it, but they thousands just could not of figure years it out. They've been working mm-hmm. on this. I mean, that's crazy. Thousands of years they're trying to undo this and they can't. Um, now that's the people in the glass. The people who live there, they've a lot of them just went kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. You're stuck in this weird realm. Uh, apparently, whether it, you know, I don't don't know if you die or if you live eternally, but your body gives out just like it would if you got old. And apparently, your body still <laughs> suffers death, um, even though your soul and your mind stay in it. And you just, you know, it's like, whoa, that's that's horrible. Um, the city kept changing, like, uh. You would find um, things would change and move around in the city. Um, Things would change, like actual buildings and things would change, and suddenly different facades would be shifted, and you would see uh, you'd see uh, Nagash's face in these things, like staring down at them and stuff like that. Like he just is messing with them. I mean, we've known for years that he's sort of a vindictive, nasty, petty. Uh, person 
He always has been, even, even as a human. Yeah, even as a human, he was he was very much so. And this just exemplifies it. Like, oh, you guys did this to me. I'm not only not going to let you die. I'm just. I'm going to do. You, know, you could have just gone in there and wiped them out and just taken the souls that were his due. But you had the nerve to not send them to me. So now I don't want them. But you, you, you're not going to want to be what you are either. Mm-hmm. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, and then some of them take to worshiping Nagash, and they claim great sections as their own, trying to like petition him for forgiveness to undo everything. But we all know Nagash; he's not going to do that. Yeah, and that's the thing: there is no forgiveness within him. I mean, it, it, it the plan makes sense if you're dealing with anybody else. Look, you were right. Not only shouldn't we have, you know, we shouldn't have done this. You know, we didn't realize the, how much of an offense we were creating to you. So, not only are are you right, and we're and we're along with you, but we worship you. We're going to do anything you say. None of that matters. He doesn't care. Um, he uh, he has no pity. So the fact that you messed with him, that you did not give him his due, um, means that. You're done. Like mm-hmm. you know, you're just in a world of hurt. Um, oh, it's so good. So let's see what else happens. Oh, I, I like this. Um, those ones who worshipped him would go and grab all the shade glass and stuff they could find and claim it in his name because this is the stuff that upset him. So we should all give it to him so he won't be upset with us anymore. But they would. It said they would. They were recovered within great sepulchers of bone and wasting flesh built built from the still conscious bodies of heathens and intruders. Because once you get into that area, apparently you can't die either, is my guess. Or if you can, like the Stormcast, they can't go and be reforged. Right. Yeah, because you just, your spirit stays there. So, because there's the still conscious bodies of heathens and, and, and intruders. That cut you up and turn you into into a part of this big altar to Nagash, and you would still be alive for all mm-hmm. intents and purposes. Ugh. So years and years go on, and the all the living people have sort of gone crazy. So the the cataphranes who were in the shade glass who managed to keep their sanity um, basically start reaching out in in, in whispers and 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 things to the the different adventurers in the city trying to get their help. Like, we'll, we'll, if you can get this done for us, we'll help you get out of here. And apparently it works. Apparently they do help people get out at times. Yeah. And the people, like, I don't think it really necessarily goes into as much detail about why people are there. It kind of does, but a lot of them are seeking treasures that were left behind. A lot of them are just seeking endless violence. Obviously that's the corn. But then even, like, the Fire Slayers are there because they're trying to uphold an oath. Right. To try to protect the city. So they do go into that, and that certainly helps, aside from, oh, we're just guys stuck in here. Yeah. No, I like that. And it does go into that later. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, not everybody is just stuck. Yeah, because that was the one thing with, I like Warhammer Quest, and I like the, the but that just even when you read the story it's like wait a minute so i go in here with six or seven guys we work together we get all this stuff done and one of us is going to get out and the other seven have to start all over again 
on a yeah. new quest. It's like, ugh, that just seems so hopeless. It does. Whereas this, it seems like it's not that difficult to get out uh, if you have help from the cataphranes. Um, now, this this part here, Whispers in Shadow, has got some cool stuff. So it's over a thousand years it's been sitting there. And nobody goes near it because, A, it's in the middle of the desert. It's hard to get to. And, B, it's a big dead city that Nagash trashed and made horrible. Okay? But apparently some people found it. Some people came out of it and said, oh, look, we found tons of awesome stuff in here. Mm -hmm. And, of course, now there are adventurers who are more concerned with treasure than their own lives. Um, That's a, a, a risk they're willing to take. And so then you get this uh, starting to happen. People starting to come there. Um, plus the story about what Nagash did to this town. Um, after over a thousand years, that part of the story sort of falls off, apparently. Apparently the god that wiped it out is not part of the story anymore. And so people go in there and they're going to go for whatever reasons. Um, now... Yeah, this gets into some of the stories. So we get the the Fire Slayers. They, this particular lodge had been hired and pledged to help keep Shadespire safe. And so when Shadespire was destroyed, they failed in their oath. So basically every hundred years, they send another crew in there. Every hundred years. So not only have they remembered this oath for a long time, but they just keep sending in crews that never come out. Yeah. That's sad. Um, well, they're, they're dwarves. Or dwarven. Yes. It's still sad. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, Sigmar's interested in it for obvious reasons. If you can retain the souls in this shade glass, then maybe he could use some of that in his reforging technique and his stormcast um after multiple reforgings won't become so strange. Yeah. And it's a process of their personality changing and becoming more unhinged. Right. So he does send in the golden boys, the hammers of Sigmar to try to investigate and figure out what they can find as far as how they can help. And it's, he's sending in liberators and Vanguard hunters is essentially who he's sending in. Yeah. And it's not, and that that's you know that's that's a logical reason to be there. Um so they go in and this is where it says they they go into there they start looking around. Um they didn't just fight Skaven and Oryx and stuff like that, but they also were fighting corn worshipers and all this and the fighting's getting pretty bad. So like, you know what? We're going we're going to have to pull out at least for now. You know, we can't we're not going to keep a base camp here in the city because it's too much of a pain. So they're staying right outside the city. Um. Then all of a sudden, once they did when when they did have control over certain parts, all of a sudden people just start disappearing, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah, and there's no body, there's no blood, and there's no shot of lightning or anything like that. They just disappear. Right, and so then all of a sudden, um, they start to hear things that aren't there. Which I'm assuming is the stuff in the 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 cataphranes in the shade glass, but they're 
promising to help them. There's all sorts of stuff. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, depending on who they're hearing. Because remember, some of these cataphrains in these shade glasses went crazy as well. Because mm-hmm. they were stuck in a very small shard of that shade glass, which would be basically like a like a like a tiny prison, wouldn't it? If you can't move between them, it and would be. your spirit's stuck in this tiny little prison for thousands of years, drive you nuts, right? Um, mm-hmm. So this is all going on, and they basically fall back to the edge of Shadespire, which they were before, right outside the city, um, and. They basically sent message to Sigmar saying something is really wrong with this place, um, and that's pretty much the end of the, the of the Stormcast. Now the Stormcast are only one who get like, I mean it's still it's only about three quarters of a page, but they actually get a story. Everybody else mm-hmm. just gets a quick summary. Um, and I, I, I'm it's it's not because it's you know. I don't think it's a oh yeah the Stormcast get a story. It's it, it's Age of Sigmar, you know. They're sending, <laughs> Sigmar sending in his people. Other people get in there for weird reasons, but th- these guys actually have a legit non shade spirey reason to get in there. You know, they're they're not just in there to loot, right? They're doing some and, recon. Yeah, and the Bloodbound track them there because they want to hit the Stormcast. They want to fight them. Same with the Iron Skulls. So yeah, there's. A lot going into it, but the Stormcast, but the they're the protagonists of these stories. They right. will be because that's the so it's the age of Sigmar. It's Sigmar's right. troops who are going to be leading the way, right? Um, mm-hmm. Let's give a quick thing about some of the cool stuff here. Garrick's Reavers, as you pointed out, and, and Magor's fiends. They're, I mean, they're bloodbound. I mean, the story, uh, you know, uh, you know. Second verse, same as the first. These guys hate the Stormcast. They're in there to kill them. They're chasing them in there. They want blood. I mean, you know, that's basically what it is. Which, yeah, I don't have a problem with. I'm just saying it's it's that same story that we always know. Oh, look, they're Stormcast. We're going in there to kill them. Um, mm-hmm. Iron Skulls, boys. I like this story. Uh, and basically, they're in there. And they're fighting, and they've been in there literally for. They went in there, decades. yeah. They went in there and they were looting, and got stuck in there, and they've been in there for decades fighting. And this is the part that I that makes me really like this story. They've been fighting in this Shadespire area for decades. Iron Skull has taken to liking the place because who what self-respecting orc would decline an endless cycle of violence and bloodshed yes it's dangerous yes you're always under attack and isn't that awesome <laughs> they like to fight that's what it, they do exactly but they went in there they, i mean they weren't in there for a fight they weren't in there chasing everybody. they went in there to do a little looting got stuck in there can't leave they've been doing nothing but fighting for decades every other race would be like we've got to get out of here this cannot go on like this forever not the Oryx. <laughs> no, not them. They got a good scrap going, and it doesn't seem like it's going to end, and why should it? No. I love it. Um, what else do we got in here? Uh, they do talk about the Chosen Axes, the the Fire Slayers, who were in there um, because they're upholding their oath. Uh, it is sad for... Uh, the Rune Father Fuel Grimnir went in there many years ago and still walks the streets 
with his loyal companions. He's made little progress in the decades he spent in the city, but he's not lost hope of restoring his people's treasured honor. So, yeah, he's super upset um, that they've failed on this mission. Uh, And it doesn't matter. Uh, Still fighting. Decades of fighting. And it's like, we're not done. Yeah. And then we have the locals, which is the guard. So these are death rattles. So they're all skeletons. And these are not your typical skeleton. Like a typical bit of skeleton has a little bit of a soul stuff to it, but not like these guys. There's distinct personalities between these skeletons. Yes, and that I like this. This was not what I expected. When I saw that box set, I'm like, oh, look, okay. So I knew, but you know, even a long time ago, when you got the basic, you know, uh, like on the Warhammer community story of Shadespire, you kind of knew what the story of the city was vaguely. And I just assumed these were, you know, some of the guys that Nagash raised up to, to kill things that were annoying him. But they're not. These are those, the okay, these skeletons were inhabitants of Shadespire who died or didn't die or whatever, and they've decomposed down to skeletons. But because mm-hmm. their spirit can't leave, unlike a reanimated skeleton, which is just, you know, like, like a zombie, you know, not too bright, just a animated corpse with a little bit of will in it. Mm-hmm. No, these are the people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these are like the faithful for Nagash. So these are the the inhabitants of Shadespire that turned to worshiping him. And it's almost like a – I look at this and they don't look like it. But this is more like a holy brotherhood, like a devoted of Nagash. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Devoted of Sigmar. Yeah. yeah. Because they've all – and they're stuck in these bodies. And the only person who can free them from this pain – is Nagash. And so, guess what? They start worshiping him in hopes that he will someday appreciate their work and deliver them from this torture that's been going on for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, And each of the models is very characterful, which shows because they're not mindless skeletons lining up rank by rank to fight. Each one of these is a person. Each one of these is an individual. Um, such is the devotion that oh the the most devoted was the sepulchral warden, the former Lord Marshal of Shadespire. So you had the guy who was like the head of the cops, mm-hmm. who is now the head of these things. Um, his devotion is so great that he has been gifted with the power to inspire frenzied devotion in his subjects and directs them against all who would challenge the great necromancer's will. And that's cool because that comes up in, in uh, they, I think they even put some of that stuff up on, uh, again, on the on the Warhammer community and on the Shadespire page. Um, that's one of the, the skeleton special abilities uh, yeah. is that you can use one of your activations, your actions, and it, that action he does allows him allows you to move two other two other of the of the models and the crew up to their maximum right. movement, which is very they don't move fast at all. No, they, but uh, they're skeletons. They're skeletons. Them to. But getting all that extra movement and mo- multiple things getting around is actually pretty cool. So, and there's a whole lot of cards that can allow you to do other cool things. Like it's I I like the skeleton army a lot. 
um, they're weak and with a limited number of actions. It's not like everything can do everything, but there's a lot of stuff you can do once you sort of figure out what the cards are allowing and the different. Things. It's 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 neat. There's so much. Like I haven't played it nearly enough to to really have delved in and, and really know what I'm doing to to say that I get it and I and I really get it. Get it. Um, there's still a lot of playing to be done with this stuff to 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 plumb the depths of the different strategies you could do with these guys. Mm-hmm. And then the last is Spike Claws Swarm. So this is a band of Skaven um, that are in there looting and looking for artifacts and trinkets and then an escape route. And this is apparently a particularly murderous and spiteful band of Skaven. Yep. So they seem the least developed of all of them because they're just kind of there because they're Skaven. That's what they do. Yeah, they're still kind of stuck. I mean, it still gives you that whole thing that, you know, Skaven are constantly backstabbing and we're lucky they are, otherwise they would take over everything. There's not much Shade Spire specific here. Yeah, not for them. Other than, yeah, they're looking for trinkets and artifacts and a backdoor the heck out of there. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is still very Skaven-y. Yeah. But that's basically it. You know, those are the different, there's there's five, or no, there's six races listed as being there right now. Um, your box set gives you two. In a week or so, you'll be able to get numbers three and four. And yep. hopefully shortly thereafter, you'll be able to get five and six. Yeah, and there's two crews for the Stormcast. There's the Vanguard Hunters and then the Blood, or the Blood Warriors for the Bloodbound. Right. So... There's still four more crews coming. Oh, least. I didn't think about that. Yeah. These are the three that disappeared that were the Liberators, but there's the the Vanguard also, Hunters. Yeah. yeah. There's the Hunters, and then the Blood Warriors are also in there as well. Oh, and yeah. It even says under their description, like, the Blood Warriors track them down using a Flesh Hound. So at some point, there's probably going to be a plastic flesh hound coming. Oh, yeah. I read that. And I was like, what? That's right. The yeah. Blood Reavers. Yeah. And his. Okay. So there is some more stuff coming. And if the... realistically, if you look at them all, they're all what in AOS are battle line units, whether it's Liberators, Vanguard Hunters, uh, Death Rattle Skeletons, and then Ard Boys for the Iron Jaws. So, I don't know, there's there's a lot of directions that they can go with this and I'm, adding I'm more very crews. excited. And you can add, add more cities. I mean, the, the 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 game concept is there. You can add more stories. Although I don't know that you would need to go much outside of the story of Shade Spire. Like, no. I suppose you could make new boards with new tokens, but in a different mm-hmm. city, but it's it's not really necessary because there's so many different things you could bring here. Absolutely. So, all right, you know what? Uh, Break time, and then we'll come back, and we will talk uh, about how you actually play this game and how much fun it really is. Mm -hmm. All right, back in a minute.
unique gifts and games in Grays Lake, Illinois is your one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your gamer may want, from board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program. Check out their events calendar, in-store or online. From Tuesday night miniature games and Thursday night board games to Friday night magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. And we are back talking Shadespire. A little brief overview here, folks. We don't want to like read the rulebook verbatim because there is a lot to take in with Shadespire. I'm not going to pretend that there's not. <laughs> Tell so, me about it. Ugh, I tried we're to do that on the YouTube it. video. It didn't work. Yeah, We're going to go over it briefly just so you guys can at least get an idea of how it works. But the best way you're going to learn how to play this game is to pick it up and go for it yourself. And you know what? We're saying that there's a lot, and there's, okay, there's kind of a lot, but there kind of isn't. Because a lot of these things, there's like, oh, you could do one of three or four different things here. They're all very similar. It's just, there's a whole bunch of things that can happen at one time. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like during the action phase, you have all these options. But once you get, like, like I I did demos this weekend, and by turn two, I mean, there's only three turns in the game. By turn two, people had a pretty decent handle on it by turn three they were solid yeah Um, this game does not take a lot because even the two games that you and i played you pick up on it really quick oh yeah and like i said the guys who were demoing we didn't have a ton of people coming in for the demo um just because it was the, the weather and whatever um but the guys who came there people were there and they were enjoying it enough i'm like dude play another game like there's you know and by the second game, they I, I was just kind of watching and just reminding them to like do the pushback mm-hmm. if they wanted to. Other than that, they had it all done. They were solid. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a quick pickup. Although there are a lot of a lot of weird options to it. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So you start off with the game, um, and uh, no, you know what? I suppose we should talk about the dice. We should. They're not normal D6s. No. I mean, they are D6s, but they are not your prototypical D6. So what this is, it has... There's two different colored dice. There's black ones and there's white ones. Attack the dice, ones the white ones. You use to attack, and then the black dice are when you're defending. So you're looking for the symbols that match your symbols on your cards for each one of your fighters. To determine whether or not it's a success, whether or not you block it, et cetera, et cetera. Now, um, and, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Okay. So the dice, you know, they're they're actually similar. Uh, the mm-hmm. attack and the defense dice. Um, there's something you can have that's called support, which if you've ever played Blood Bowl, it's kind of like that. Not exactly. It's actually a lot simpler on this one. Um, basically, if my guy's attacking your guy, if I have extra guys next to that guy, they count for support. 
if the guy I'm attacking has extra guys on his team next to me, they count for support. And if it's equal, then it just counts as a straight-up regular attack because it's equal. So if I've got one support, you've got one support, nobody gets any support. Mm -hmm. But if you have more than your opponent, then they have these symbols on the dice. Um, It's like a little dot with a little half circle around it, like you got support on this side, or a dot with two little sections, so it's like on both sides. So uh, if I have at least one more support than you, that one single support counts as a success. You can add it to your successes. If I have... Two or more support guys more than you, then both the single and the double count. So there's two two sides that are support: single support, double support. You have a critical, which is the beautiful exploding exclamation, which uh, look very familiar. Yes, football players. <laughs> yes, they do, and those are awesome because they basically trump everything. If you have more more criticals than your opponent, you win. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a dice roll where it was three dice against one. I had three axe successes or hammer successes, and he had one critical. He wins. Criticals win. Um, now, on the attack and defense dice, here's the thing that I that I noticed when I was looking at it that was interesting. Um, your attacks are always either listed as hammers or crossed swords. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so there's one of two types of attacks you can get. Um Hammers are better. Why are hammers better? <laughs> because there's two hammers on the Ooh. die and one crossed sword. So you've got a critical, a single support, a double support, a crossed swords, and then two hammers. So hmm. better fighters are going to have hammers as their symbol. So like with the Bloodbound, a lot of them have... The crossed axe, the crossed swords, but like I know, at the very least, your leader he's got a hammer symbol. Better yeah, and fighters. Then Stake has it too. Yeah. Um, the defense dice are very similar. There's two types of defense. There's the little curvy arrow, which is just dodge. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of armor. I'm just dodging. And then there's a shield for people who have more armor. And the dice are the same. There's a critical. A single support, a double support, a dodge, and two shields. So if you have shields as your uh, as your as your defense symbol, you have a much better chance of succeeding Getting out of the way. Than, yeah, than if you just have dodging. So these are your dice, um, and. Uh, it's like once once I realized like how the breakdown of the dice went, I'm like, oh, that that's really clever. You're, yeah, like because I looked, I'm like, well, what you know? Why do some guys have hammers and some guys have crossed swords? Because some of these guys are carrying axes. Like, what's that? Oh, hammers are just your 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 melee skills are better. Axe. Yeah, yeah. You're just a better. You're better at combat. If you have axes, then if you have swords, and you're better at defense if you have a shield than if you just have to dodge, and that's represented by how many are on the dice. A very clever, simple mechanic um, that can help you differentiate between uh, a, another level of differentiation between skills and abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's it for the dice. Now, um, there's a whole system for setting up the board. Which is actually pretty cool because you and your opponent each pick. There's there's two 
board pieces with a map on either side. So there's actually four right. different sections. Um, and when you set it up, like the loot, you know, you you roll off the loser picks a side first, but then the winner gets to pick his side second, but also gets to determine how the board's set up because you don't just link them together. You can go. Yeah, blank. it's not just a straight square. Right. You have to connect three hexes, but it can be any three whole hexes. So you can have them offset. You can have them straight pushed together. You can have it going long way. So now, there's if you go the long lot. way, there's only two hexes. You can only make two hexes, like if you line it up perfectly, and you have to have at least two hexes. So if you decide to go the long way, put it on the narrow edges of the board, that mm-hmm. has to all line up. Yep. But on the uh, on the long side of the board, I think there's like six or seven half yeah, there's, hexes. Seven. There's a bunch there. One, two. Yeah, there's seven, and you only have to connect three, so your board could be off center, too, depending on how you set things up. So suddenly, there's this whole other thing about well, and once once you learn how your 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 models play, you know, do you want to have it the long way? Do you want to have it? The short way even. Do you want to offset it and bottleneck it? Like the, Suddenly there's all this strategy in just setting up your board. Yeah, there is no terrain as defined by our traditional sense. Two of the maps do have blocked hexes that you cannot go into or draw a line of sight through for attacks. Yeah, just assume so, like they're like large columns or something like that. Yeah, so there is terrain built into the board, but... It's still something you have to pay attention to when you're setting up the board because it'll make a gigantic difference with positioning and where things can go. Yep. So you set up your board, and then you get uh, objectives that you can lay down. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's rules for where you can put them. They can't go right on the edges. Um, They have to stay a certain amount of distance away from each other. But the objectives go face down, and once you place them all, you flip them up because they're numbered. And there are cards yep. that, you know, if you are if you have a model on top of that at the end of the turn, uh, there are cards, you know, that'll get you more glory. And that's the object of the game, is to gain glory. It's not necessarily to wipe out your opponent, although that helps. It certainly does. Yeah, but the point is to gain glory. Um, whoever has the most glory at the end of three turns wins. Uh, I've had my guys wiped out and still won the game because I got a lot of glory before they got wiped out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's literally all that matters. You can you can get completely tabled and still win because it's all about gaining glory. So um, let's see. So you know you place your board, you place your tiles, you place your guys down, and then your turn. You have a turn. Uh, now the turns are actually really quick because you each get four activations and that's it. Yeah. So. These like larger crews, you have more options for who you can activate, but you're not going to get all of them. I mean, the the warden gives extra activations to the skeletons, but that doesn't mean you're going to activate all seven of them in any given turn. Well, and the activation is you can have two of the skeletons move. Hmm. So there you go. I mean, that doesn't mean you're getting extra tax. That doesn't mean you're getting extra anything. It's just that they move. Now, there are cards and things you can do and special abilities that can get you, like, a couple extra attacks. But once again, now you're now you're moving a lot of pieces at once, making sure they all work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you basically get these. We each get four activations. Now, how this works is 
when you activate, there's a couple of things you can do. And we're not going to go into the longest detail about this. But, I mean, there's your basic, um, you know, just move. You can only move once, by the way. You can't just, like, Rambo it and keep moving the same guy. Once you've moved, you can't move again. Right. Um, but you can move or you can, uh, you know, basically do the attack that's listed on your card. Now, once you've moved, you can activate him again to do attacks and things like that. He just can't move any farther, so you can attack from where he's at. Mm-hmm. Um, the only change or exception to this rule is the charge, which is kind of popular. <laughs> yeah, especially with some of the more aggressive crews. Right. Uh, and basically, if you do a charge, what that means is you get to move your entire movement, and then if you're right next to an, an, uh, an opponent's piece, you can also attack. But then so, you can't do anything else. They cannot do anything else for the rest of that turn. So you mm-hmm. get four activations, but in a single activation, you can totally get off the... You get you get two actions, basically. You get to move and to attack, but then they're done. Um, there's other things you can do. You know, draw a card from your power cards or swap out a, uh objective card. But that's like... That's neither here nor there. What's really important is that this moving and this this sort of getting in these attacks or getting into a position uh, to, to grab objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, where the game really gets interesting, though, is in the cards. Okay? At least that's what I think. Yeah, um, and a lot of people that I've talked to about the cards were really concerned because of experiences with other games like X-Wing. Where you have to buy multiples of any given ship to get multiples of any given upgrade. So so you can use it across multiple ships. You don't have that problem with Shadespire. No, because you can't have any more than one of any card. Correct. In your deck. So unless... Now, I could see if you want to have multiple crews ready and have multiple decks built. Sure. And you don't want to have to take apart decks to put together other decks. I can see, but no, the the rules are, and there's. it's not like you need a ton of cards, okay? No. You get exactly 12 objective cards, and your objective cards are, give the criterion by which you gain glory. Mm-hmm. Um, in your starter deck, they have, like, there's the five objectives. Uh, if you got a friendly model standing on this objective at the end of the of the turn, um, you know, you get, you get a glory. Um, there's other ones, you know, wipe all, you know, if, if you didn't take any damage this turn on any of your models, you can gain glory. There's all sorts of different things like that, but you get exactly 12 mm-hmm. and then your deck can be, your deck is a minimum of 20 cards. Uh, and there's two types of cards in your power deck. There's basically, uh, ploys and upgrades. And the only difference between them is upgrades. You have to actually spend glory to do. Yeah, Up- and they stay on your fighter for the rest of the game until they get taken out. Yes. And actually, if they die, they still keep them. Mm-hmm. Because if you find a way, if you have a card that allows them to bring them back, they come back with them. Yeah, like the undead. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that now you earn glory, and you don't actually lose it if you use it to put on upgrades. You just flip it upside down to show that you've used it and you can't use it again, but it still counts towards your glory at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to worry about losing glory or spending it and, and not be you know not having a count towards your, your winning just because you're doing upgrades. 
ploys are stuff that usually happens right away. It's a quick little thing, and those you can play for free. Um, and this is where a lot of the strategy comes in because the fighting actually, dude, the fighting is kind of a pain. We do a lot of whiffing in this game. We do. Um, you only get one or two attack dice usually. You only get one, maybe two defense dice. Most of the people get one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're looking for one or two symbols on a die. So you got a one like a one in six chance to a, maybe a one in three chance of getting a success. Um, so a lot of those those attacks and stuff, that's not where it is. It's it's with those cards. It's getting those bonuses through those through the cards. Um and and setting up a deck is not as easy as it sounds. Like there's <laughs> you know, you, you there's a lot of cards, there's a lot of cool stuff in there and you really got to sort of look at it and be like, "Okay, what am I going to do now? How am I going to do this?" What you know, because with those 20 cards only half of them rounding down can be ploys. So at least half of them have to be upgrades, meaning you have to pay for them. Mm-hmm. And you don't start off your game with any glory. Correct. You can you gain one glory every time you take an opponent off the board. And then at the end of the first turn, you can turn in your objectives if you've completed any of them and gain glory. But so a lot of times that first turn, you know, half your cards you cannot play because you don't have any... Of those given objectives completed. Yeah, exactly. You don't have any glory to, to do. So, um, you know, it, it, it keeps the game balanced because mm-hmm. I can't take a whole deck of cards I can just play all at once. Half of the cards in my deck I can't play. Now, the whole thing with these decks, and this is what I was saying earlier, is I've got three turns, right? I've only got 12 activations, and I've got a minimum of 20 cards in my deck, which I'm thinking you want to keep as close to the minimum as possible because even in a game with those 12 activations, you're not going to run through... I've never run out of cards. No. You know? And you get 12 objectives, and I've not run through all my objectives either. Um, And the reason I bring this up is because you are not a, when you you put your cards in the discard pile when you use them, and if when you run out of cards, you're out of cards. There's mm-hmm. no reshuffling the deck, but you want to keep those decks tight and thin because you want to get to the things you need. You know, yeah, and it's one of those that you've got to pay attention, and you have to make sure that you are kind of optimizing it and making sure that it's things that you can do, but you can't go. Like on the objectives, you can't go straight for all the big numbers because they're hard conditions. You won't score points until you achieve that condition, which means your fighters aren't getting upgraded, which means you're not going to use half of your power deck. And there's no guarantee you're going to pull the right ploy that you need. Mm -hmm. So you need to really pay attention and figure out how do I make this crew work the best it can. So this is that tactical kind of competitive aspect with deck building that you get out of this. Yeah, because I'll tell you what, my first instinct was to drop those hold an objective at the end of the game, at the end of the turn cards, because you get those five in your starter deck for each crew, in your starter deck for both crews. There's five objectives on the board, and if you're standing on one of them at the end of the turn, you gain one glory. So you mm-hmm. got, you know, and there's like, oh, there's five of them out of my 12 are already this um, if those objectives are all the way across the board, it might be hard to get it. 
stuff like that. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe I don't want these. Plus, I, I kind of maybe want to keep some of my crew together. I don't want to spread them out and running for objectives so they can get surrounded because then they're getting attacked and you're getting the extra support and all those extra, you know, suddenly you go from maybe a one chance, a one in six chance to a three in six chance or a two to a four. You know, suddenly it's like, oh, it's really a lot easier to hit this guy and kill him. So you want to keep them together. But then if you dump all of those those easy objective things like that, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this one's really cool, but it doesn't even score unless I meet the objective in the third round. Am I just going to sit and hold this card the whole time, hoping that yeah. I, hoping that in three turns I, I, I can do this, this thing? I mean, some of them are simple enough. At the end of the game, nobody's in your territory. Yeah, or all of your fighters are in enemy territory. But there are some where it's like requiring all but one of your fighters to be left standing at the end of the game. Or everyone is dead at the end of the game. That takes a lot of doing. And they are high scoring, but how often is that going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Um, Or even at the end, um, you know, the one wipe out all your... I think it's worth five or six glory if you just wipe out all your opponents. That's still Mm -hmm. not easy. No, because you can think like taking down three Stormcasts or something is fairly easy. It's not. They are big, tanky models, as they should be. Yeah. So, um, let's see. What are we forgetting that's going on? Oh, there's um, I like your. There's an inspired form. Yeah. So all of your character cards have two sides. You start off with your your basic card, and then. If you there's a little gold box on each card, and if you meet that criteria, then they become inspired, which means they get some sort of a bonus, whether it's a better attack or a new attack, or um, I know an Storm, extra little rule. Stormcast all the the three Stormcast, all of them go from one shield to two shields for defense. You get an extra defense die, um, as well as some differences in attacks. I know that all of the Corn Bloodbound. When they go, they go from a four movement to a five movement when they flip. Yeah, and a lot of them will do extra damage or have extra rules for their attacks. Mm-hmm. So each one is different. It's just a matter of the condition and how they do it. But like the Stormcast ones, they do it when they flip, when they roll a shield or a critical for defense. Defending. So if you attack so, and I defend well, like, and that makes sense. You know, the storm there they are. The storm is they're being they're being attacked. If I if I have successful defense, I'm emboldened and I go into my 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 uh, my uh, inspired form. Yeah, um, and then with corn, it's if any three fighters are taken out. Your side point, or so there's the, three who have both sides included. So. And it's one of those things that with Stormcast, it's a gradual flip. With the corn, at least the Bloodbound, they flip all at once. So the whole crew goes nuts all at once. And you have to lose some of your Bloodbound to do this. Because if yeah, you wipe out, if, if you only wipe out Stormcast in the starter set, that you'd, you'd have wiped out all three of them. And then all of a sudden you all become inspired, but there's really not much for you to fight after that. Um, that's where you're you're throwing your little two wound guys in. Let them die, because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, once you hit three dead, your whole crew just flips at once. Yeah, boom! When it happens, it's like, ooh, there it goes. Yeah, especially the eliter killers like Tarsus or Sake. Yeah. So you have to pay attention. It's one of those things where stuff's gonna die, 
and you have to be okay with that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely that's a part of the game. That's a part of the plan, actually. Even with the with the with the bloodbound, um, getting those getting those guys dead to it to to go into your inspired form. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what else we're missing as we're kind of going through these different moves. Um, yeah, I know the, there was something I was going to talk about. Now I'm I'm blanking on it too. The other thing that you can do is with one of your activations. Oh, and attacking is always free as long as you can do it. It just costs an activation, right? But the same guy can attack multiple times as long as he didn't charge. Yes, and once you've charged, he cannot activate or do any activations again. But mm-hmm. if you move, you can then do it if you haven't moved you can do attacks um that's you know that works really well um ba- okay so you know let's lay out a, a quick idea for a basic turn because this is where it gets on so uh, i activate i do my thing and that's when i get to play a card after i activate i could play a card and then you could play a card and we basically can both keep going back and forth playing cards um as long as we have them to play until we both pass mm-hmm then it's your activation, same thing. Then I activate you. Once all, once we've both activated all four of our activations, that's the point where it's called, it's the end phase. And um, the guy who went first gets to go through, claim any of his objective cards that he completed, or dump any that he's decided he can't get, and then he draws back up to his maximum, which is three objective cards. Uh, dump any... You know, play any uh, upgrades that he can, or dump the rest, and then draw back up to those five power cards. That's your whole turn. It's actually really simple. You each get four mm-hmm. moves, and then you see if you got any points. Round two, second verse, same as the first. Right, do it again. Round three, the only difference is when you get to that end phase, all you do is play any objective cards that will get you more because there's no point in playing the upgrades and the other cards because or drawing back up to your maximum size because the game's over correct and with how fast these games play realistically you're going to be looking for a best two out of three to really kind of determine the winner which is yeah actually listed there under the matched play rules as you play best out of three and if you it's actually it's not only that it's got rules in there for um if you draw, there's like all the tiebreakers and stuff for the match to play. Mm-hmm. Um, they really try to make it so that you that there, there's going to definitely be a winner. It won't be a draw. Yeah. Um, so, no, it's a it's a very interesting game, and I think realistically, folks, like we've done a, I don't know. I don't know if we've done the best job of explaining this game. Well, okay, but look, the thing is, there's just a lot of moving parts, but once you there understand, is, and but you don't get to use them all at once. Yeah. So it's like, oh, look, and, you could do this, you could do that, you could do, oh, here's some of the things we totally missed. Um, if I succeed in hitting you, I can knock you back, meaning I can move you away from me one, one hex. Uh, and you pick the direction. Yeah, as long as you're moving away from me, so there's... The five, the two hexes adjacent to me and you, you can't move in because that wouldn't be away. So it's one of the three away. Um, mm-hmm. And if I have a special rule called knockback, I can move you back even farther. Um, right. There's a rule called cleave where your shields don't count. 
because I'm cutting through armor. Um, there's little little things that will tweak and adjust the play. And basically it comes down to activate. Do an activation. Move or attack or do both all together and then he's done. That's basically the whole your whole activation, uh, primarily what you will be doing. One of those three things. Move, mm-hmm. attack, or move and attack. That's it. You each do that four times. Hey, did I win anything? Nope. Uh, four more, done. Four more, done. It's actually a really simple game once you understand all your different options. It's like there's a lot of options, but you don't use a lot of them because you don't have that many moves in the game. Yeah, and that adds a lot of the tactical depth and deck building and everything. But realistically, folks, if you want to get the best feel for this game, go play it. Yeah. Because our explanation is not going to really capture everything. And a lot of people are being like, well, it's just a card game. I don't know how I feel about that. And it's like, just go and play it. It's a dice game. It's a miniatures game. It's a skirmish game. It's a car. It's got like it's like the best of all the worlds. It really, yeah. And honestly, it's sixty bucks. Go in halfsies with a friend. You know, if you if you're worried about it. Yeah. You know, because you're gonna. But, it's a two players minimum. What's you, what's gonna wind up happening is you're gonna start loving it, and then your guys are gonna go back and go in halfsies on the second box. So you each have your own game. And for yeah. all the stuff you get, dude, there's so many tokens. And so many cards. And then you start looking through the cards going, especially because, oh, you know, with the starter, the starter game comes with a, uh, a pre-made deck for your Stormcast and a pre-made deck for your Bloodbound. And there's a third deck in there that just says extra cards. And you start going through that, and it's like, oh, I could swap out this, that, and the other. That's what I was talking about earlier. I was tempted to swap out all those one-piece card, cards. But then it's like, well, I also need to kind of have a chance to grab some quick glory in the beginning of the game so that I can upgrade. Uh, and then you start looking at the the other cards. I mean, and wait till you see the orc and un, and and stalkers cards. Okay? Dude, there's some cool stuff in there. Um there are actual cards that give you stat boosts and if you get multiples of them, they and upgrade with multiples of them. The, the, they just get better. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not multiple of the same card. They're different, obviously, because you can only have one of any card, but they're like, they built little groups and families of cards that you can start stacking and working together. Like, it, there's so many different little things you can do. Like, I can't, just go try it, because it's way better than it has any right to be. Like, I, I pulled it out, I opened it up, I looked at it, I said, okay, this is pretty simple. Um, you know, it's like a way better version of Gore Chosen. Yeah, or like this is kind of what I had hoped that Silver Tower would be a little closer to mechanics wise, but I don't know. Silver this Tower has a it's... lot more moving parts because you've almost got an NPC that stuff has to happen for. Yeah, because the actual place itself is is a player. Um, mm-hmm. There's rules in here for three and four player games where you're suddenly putting three and four boards together. Um, those are pretty cool. There is one where you called grab capture the artifact where you put one. There's a there's another tile. It looks it's that face picture, mm-hmm. and that one goes in no man's land in the connected spot between the two boards. 
And if you're holding that at the end of any given turn, your guy automatically becomes inspired if he isn't already, and you get three glory for holding that at the end of the turn. So suddenly you're playing the same game you were playing before, but you've just added in capture the artifact, and this is like a you know it's supposed to be a big piece of shade glass or something like that. Um, there's just all sorts of neat little things like that 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 pop up if you want to play like a slightly advanced version of the rules or play something a little more vicious. It's it's right in there. O- other options to play. They've already given you cool little tiles and cards to play variations. So it's like there's nothing going to get boring about this game. The replay factor is huge. Yeah. And that's definitely something that was baked into the game as far as like being able to play this as like a tournament level game or similar to like a Friday Night Magic sort of thing where you can do Friday Night Shade Spire. Oh, yeah. And have it be a legit thing. And you don't have to worry about the card duplication or the random card element as you would with like Magic or something. You get all the cards in the boxes. Now, the only thing that I would make sure that people know, if you just want to play the Iron Jaws, you still have to buy the core set because you will still need the boards. You'll still need the all dice, the markers. The tokens. Yeah, you need yeah. you need all that stuff. So you do need it, but in match play environments, you're allowed to switch crews in between games. So you can mix it up. You can mix up your decks, and you'll want the extra cards too to make your crews function better. So realistically, if you just want to play the orcs, then maybe, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that this is not like, don't identify yourself as like a green player or anything like that. You're playing Shadespire. Yep. And you have the most options with getting all of the boxes. Um, And realistically, it's not, too terrible of a buy-in for the f- core set and the two expansions. It's only 120 bucks, but again, the replay value on How this much game are the expansions is going to be. I did thirty a pop. Oh yeah, so, yeah, sixty bucks for the box and thirty bucks for each expansion. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and at the end of the day, for 120 bucks, you would still get 19 high quality miniatures, plus all of these cards, all the boards, all the tokens. And everything like that. And all of these models you can use in Age of Sigmar as well. So yep, this can... isn't just a corn versus Stormcast box. This is a Shade Spire box. So don't... Like the the starter sets that we've had thus far with like Blight War and the AOS starter have been like very definitive. Like you play this faction or you play the other faction. Shade Spire is not like that. You're playing Shade Spire. Yep. So. No, it's it's yeah, it's I can't say enough about it. I am having so much fun with it. Like and I know like dude, talk about people. Relian has lost his mind over it. Yes, he has. Like he's running <laughs> he's running the event at uh at Wapaka. So if you're going to Wapaka, he's running a Friday night event after the uh the whole the opening ceremonies so it's not it's not interfering with anything else it's like five bucks to get in you do have to paint your three or four models um and dude like i was talking with him like this is his major excitement now for wapak is running this Mm -hmm. like yeah and i get it because 
this is, I'll tell you what, this is an easy way to get people who aren't Warhammer players into playing a Warhammer game. Yeah, it's a good bridge game. It's very quick. It's There's a lot of complexity to this game that you see out of the cards and the customization and everything. But then it's hitting that fine spot between the collectible card game players, the board game players, the miniature war gamers, and then the guys that just don't fit it anywhere else, Yeah, as it were. This captures everything in one very small and succinct box that is so much more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, and as long as they can keep coming out with good, you know, well-balanced cards and cool crews and it doesn't get completely wonky, um, this... <laughs> They're going to be able to. They're going to be able to keep this going for a while. Yeah, and they are supporting it. They have the tournament packs that we've seen, where you. I don't know if it's a buy-in or whatever it is to get the tournament pack, which has all the giveaways and certificates and stuff like that, alternative cards. So there's a lot that they are actively doing to try to support and grow the Shadespire game. Absolutely. So um, that's our sort of all over the place little sort of explanation on kind of how it plays and and, and what happens. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, what other? Um, oh yeah, if you wipe out your opponent, you still have to play out all the turns and all the all the uh, activations. Yeah, because there are some objectives you can score with having no models on the table. Yep. So. <laughs> It's completely possible that there's still more glory to be had, even though you're wiped out. So you got to keep keep it, keep rolling through it and keep finishing it. So it's mm-hmm. not just wipe out your opponent and you win. It's wipe out your opponent and then finish off and see if you can still get more glory than them. So yeah, I'm, like I said, there's nothing I don't like about this game. So yeah, and there's the reviews of this game have been so overwhelmingly positive. Um, that it's been really hard to like find a negative to it because if you've played this game, you know how amazing it is. But but, but there, I have had some rumblings from people that saying, "Oh, it's just another corn versus stormcast box." We've kind of already gone over that. It's a Shadespire box. It's not a corn versus stormcast box. And then the other criticism is like, "Oh, it's overpimped," or it's just another thing or the gameplay is really clunky uh, from people that did demos like months ago, they've cleaned this game up and it runs butter smooth. It's just, there's a bit of a reading involved at the very beginning, but once you get the hang of the mechanics, it plays very, very quickly. So, yep. It's one of those things that just be patient with it make sure you're reading the rules and checking everything. It's one of those games that, I really look forward to playing this game and proving that it's a viable game for some people that have been critical of it. But I don't know. If you play it when it's in beta, it's going to be clunky. But when you're playing the final product, it's amazing. So, and you know, it's out there because, and they're pushing it for a good reason. It is a fantastic game. And like we've been saying, it hits all of those check boxes. For what you want out of a game. So, yeah, they're going to push it. Heaven forbid they do that. 
Yeah. Yeah, they are. And uh, yes, it's got the predictable combo in the starter box. But those guys, that they're the story right there. The rest is coming. And you're going to be able to play whatever you want soon enough. Right now, mm-hmm. it's got this. And it's it's worth it. You know, even if you're like, oh, I don't like Stormcast, then, you know, whatever. Just just it, play the other team. It's it, The game is quality, and with the low model, you don't even have to paint them. I mean, if you're going to yeah. play a tournament or something, they may ask you to paint them. But, I mean, you just you could just build them, and, they're, I mean, they're, they're ready to go, you know? Yeah, they're all snap-fit models, and it's not complicated. The instructions are really easy. For these models, for how detailed they are. Exactly. So, is that it? I think so. I think so. So, um, okay, so we're going to wrap it up here, folks, I guess. Um, just clock it in just over two hours, so not bad um, with all that. So, uh, hey, don't forget to check out After Eleanor, folks. The Garage Hammer Horror Heresy Book Club on the Free Buddhas Network. Lots of cool stuff there. From Terrace, from uh, Geek Nation Tours. Um, there's still spots on Geek Nation Tours, by the way, for Adepticon. Uh, if you hurry, there's still a few spots left, so you might want to check them out. Um, and if you do go through Geek Nation Tours, there's all sorts of cool benefits and uh, special things that they have, including early sign-up for events. Um, you're going to be staying at the hotel where it's happening. Um, you'll be hanging out with Jim Waffle for some painting lessons. There's all sorts of cool stuff going on with that. So just a reminder to check that out. And while you're there, check out After Eleanor, Horace Heresy. It's awesome. Um, what else? Oh, check out the Patreon page, please. Just take a look. You don't have to donate, but at least take a look at what's up there. Um, oh, and I want to thank um, uh, people on Twitter, a bunch of people, I, Aurelian had bought a, uh, a camera for Skype, and I'm like that's the kind of camera I got to do the live streaming, and I still haven't gotten all figured out. And a bunch of people were like, "Dude, Twitch is okay, but YouTube Live is your friend. You may want to go that way." And then a bunch of people were sending me info on how to get that up. So hopefully, I can figure this out someday. I'm so computer illiterate; I just hate myself sometimes. Yeah, it's it's tough. We'll get it working though. Um, but check out the Patreon page and. Um, you know, see if they would be interested in becoming one of the almost one percent. And uh, once again, thanks to uh, Adam Trunzo and Jeraviel uh, Qualthus for uh, for becoming patrons uh, this week. Every bit helps keep this show going and hopefully getting better. Um, so, thank you for being part of that almost one percent. So, I think that's it, Alex. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Um, oh, you know what? Hey, thanks to the people. We've had a lot. Uh, we've had a sudden, like a slight uptick in people joining the Garage Hammer Facebook page, hmm. and we we just topped a thousand people. Wow! So, yeah, we got over a thousand members on the Facebook page. So thanks for joining. Uh, keeping up there. You know, I always love to see when people post their stuff there. I know that there's you know the different painting sites and the different AOS blogs. So. You know, people aren't putting a ton of stuff that's unique on on, on our page uh, because they've got other pages. But it's nice to just hear people chiming in and, and seeing what's going on and, and basically keeping up with Garage Hammer. So if you're interested in the show, if you like the show, 
go ahead and check out the Facebook page. That would be really cool of you. So are we done? I think so. All right. Um, I have no idea what we're doing next episode. None whatsoever. We may cover a book if I can actually get down and sit down and read some. Yeah, we could do that. You've picked up a couple of those new books, haven't you? I've picked up both of them. The 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 last two hardcovers. The I don't have the spear yet. I have Plague Garden. I've read through that. All right. Well, I'll read through one of those. Maybe we'll try to do a book, actual book, next time since we don't have a, a, a new game or a new tome to go through. Yeah, I mean, we should probably go back for some of the ones that we've missed, like Pestilence or Iron Jaws. So yeah, well, that'll be that's that's on the docket. But I'd like to maybe do something a little more lore centric than than another book or another game because we've been we've been been inundated with them lately. Which I'm not complaining, but it's been a lot. So it might be nice to step away from a lot of rules and just talk some fun. Yeah. All right, cool, folks. Until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer. And Alex, that's me, is at some kind of geek thirty. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at SoundCloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's TGA.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.